Omens Fic, written by Curtain Call, read by Literarian. Summary Anthony Crowley sells computer systems to London businesses and specializes in sneaking extra charges and fees into the associated contracts. It's not his fault no one actually reads the paperwork before signing it. He thinks mild-mannered bookshop owner Aziraphale Fell will be an easy mark. Surely no one that old-fashioned and dotty will spot a few carefully worked technical clauses in his contract. And then Aziraphale comes back with some very polite, very pointed questions. And Crowley decides that maybe pulling off the sale isn't his first priority anymore. Chapter 1 The thing was, Crowley worked on commission. He'd always rather liked that about sales. The amount of money you made each month was directly correlated with how good you were at your job. No need to pretend that you were putting in hours and hours in some windowless cubicle, clicking on random cells in a spreadsheet to make it seem to the boss that you were pulling your weight. In sales, if you got results, you got paid, and then you got to skive off work for the rest of the month because you'd hit your revenue goal on the 12th. It was as simple as that. There were three people in the sales department at Barathrum Systems a subdivision of the Leviathan Corporation, and Crowley had more clients than the other two put together. Huster and Ligger, his co-workers, didn't like that at all. No one respects the old ways of doing things anymore, he heard Huster muttering after coming back from yet another game of golf that had ended in a promise to think about it rather than any actual results. Whining, dining, getting to know the client, none of this bogus millennia quantity over quality bullshit. Crowley, who was too old to be a millennial, even by the most generous definition, he'd checked, had simply smiled to himself. Because it wasn't just a matter of quantity over quality. That helped, of course. People nowadays didn't long for deep, personal relationships with their computer systems salesmen. They wanted to sign the contract and get out. You might catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, but you caught the most with efficiency. And flypaper. It was also a matter of strategy. Because, of course, part of that natural human desire for efficiency also resulted in a natural human desire to speed through the boring parts of business interactions. Such as, notably, the signing of contracts with lots of very long, very elliptically worded clauses about inasmuch as the undersigned hereby attests, and so forth. 
So after Crowley had spent the first part of his meeting with a new client establishing just how trustworthy and plain dealing he was, he'd slide a fat stack of papers across and watch as their eyes glazed over while they skimmed the terms and conditions of sale. And that was where you got him. There were all sorts of completely legal things you could stick in a contract without the client noticing and pass off down the line as standard boilerplate language. Sorry, would have been happy to change it for you if you'd pointed it out at the time, but... Extremely limited warranties, rapidly increasing interest percentages, punishing penalties for defaulting on payment even once, all very easy to miss when buried in pages and pages of dry-as-dust contractees. More money for Barathrum, and, of course, more money for Crowley. The best part was, it was all their own fault. Oh, sure, Crowley was the one drawing up the terms of sale, but the clients were the ones signing off. Victims of their own laziness and inattention, they never bothered to check and see just what they were agreeing to. He figured it served as something of an object lesson in being careful. He might have felt bad about it if it had been individuals getting hit financially, but Barathrum sold POS systems to businesses. POS stood, of course, for point of sale. Not piece of shit, despite Crowley's private opinions of their product quality. It wasn't actual people who were paying for their failure to spot Crowley's clauses. It was corporations. Really, he was just redistributing wealth. The fact that he was redistributing it into his own pockets was immaterial. He kept these thoughts mostly to himself, of course. He'd long since given up on getting his colleagues to understand. Right, said Huster, who was for some godforsaken reason sales team lead. Now that we're all here, he glared meaningfully at Crowley, let's review yesterday's deliverables. Crowley pretended not to notice the glare. Yes, he'd been late. There'd been traffic. And yes, he was always late because there was always traffic. But maybe that just meant that the daily team check-in should be at a more reasonable hour than 9.30 when sensible people were still half asleep. I had a meeting with a priest, Huster was saying told him how useful our systems would be for collecting the dues for their little lady's parish knitting circle. Did he sign on? Huster shook his head. Not yet. These old birds take a bit of convincing, set in their ways, but we'll have them soon enough. Ligger? Met for lunch with a member of some rural town council, Ligger said. Came in all the way just to talk. And... Nothing doing yet, Ligger said. But he took a business card, so... Crowley rolled his eyes. Oh, he took a business card. Well, practically a guarantee, that. What did you do then, Mr. Wit? Huster asked. 
Crowley tapped the pen thoughtfully against the table. Got signatures on four different contracts, actually. Huster did not look nearly as impressed with this as Crowley thought he ought to. Got signatures, huh? Yeah, Crowley said. On contracts. You know, contracts. They've got all these squiggly little black shapes on the paper and they pay our salaries. Spare me the attempts at humor, Huster said. Sure, you got their signatures, but did you get to know them? Um, said Crowley. Like, biblically? Like, personally? Liga chimed in. What makes them tick? What are their wants, their needs, their deepest, most shameful desires? Well, said Crowley, I didn't really think I needed a full, like, fetish accounting to determine their wants and needs in the very specific area of POS systems. That's how you lose them, Liga said sadly. They start thinking you're just after them for their money. I am, though. But you can't let them know that. You have to make each of your clients think that they're the only one you care about. You might have their signatures now, Crowley, but in three years, when that contract's up, they'll find another girl to bring to the dance. We are still talking about sales, yeah? Look, Huster said, I know you think you get results because I do. But at least try it our way. Today, spend a little more time with your prospective clients. Get to know them. Build a relationship. Crowley looked from Huster to Ligger, considered the amount of effort it would take to argue versus the amount of effort it would take to build a relationship with whatever unlucky client happened to be on his schedule today, and nodded. All right, he said, peaceably. Haster looked suspicious. You're just agreeing, like that. Crowley spread his hands. Did you want me to argue? Uh, said Haster. No? He glanced at Crowley again, as though expecting him to renege. Crowley blinked with all the innocence he could muster. Right then, said Huster. Let's go over quarterly goals. According to Crowley's calendar, his first meeting of the day expected at noon, was with the proprietor of AZ Fell & Co. booksellers. He'd googled the shop that morning, discovering a website consisting mainly of word art explaining the bafflingly complex shop hours, image boxes from Photobucket requiring an upgraded account to enable third-party hosting, and exhortations to check us out on MySpace. 
A banner flashing at the top of the page informed the interested reader that the site would be unveiling its new look in December 2005. This, while deeply revolting in Crowley's aesthetic sensibilities, augured well for him when it came to the likelihood of getting one over on the bookseller using some strategically deployed technobabble. Hello, Mr. Fell, he said, pulling out a chair and giving the prospective client a quick once-over. His hair was slightly unkempt, sticking up from his head like a particularly self-important cumulus cloud. His clothing looked as though it likely predated decimal coinage. And his smile was vaguer than a tech startup's mission statement. The overall effect was of the idea of an antique bookseller more than an actual person. So, he continued smoothly, sliding into his own chair, you're interested in upgrading your point-of-sale system? Fell made a face. Not by choice, he said, shaking his head. But the old till just gave out the other day, and although I'd be perfectly all right counting change out by hand, my employee says it's time we got up to date with barcodes and what have you. Barcodes, said Crowley, trying to keep a straight face. Right. He was about to launch into his usual spiel about best-in-class inventory management and the optional cloud storage features when he caught sight of Huster through the glass and remembered he was supposed to be building a relationship. And you sell old books? he asked. Felt's face lit up. Oh, yes, he said. Well, when I can't avoid it, you know? He beamed. Crowley frowned. Sorry, when you... Oh, that's just... It's a little joke I have with my employee, you know? She says that if I had my way, I'd never let any of the customers actually purchase anything. And I do admit, I have a tendency to get rather attached to some of my stock, but... Well, I defy anyone who gets his hands on a Wilkie Collins first edition to be actually glad to see it move on. He moved slightly as he spoke, and Crowley found himself rethinking his earlier impression of the man, noticing now the joy written in the lines around his eyes, the way his hands darted around, illustrating his points, the slight flush in his cheeks as he grew animated. So you're the titular Mr. Fell, then? he asked. Eponymous, said Fell. Crowley blinked. Sorry? The eponymous Mr. Fell, not the titular. If I were, I don't know, the hero of a book called Azira Fellfeld's Grand Adventure, then I'd be the titular Mr. Fell. There were about six different things Crowley wanted to say to that, starting with, who the devil cares about the difference between titular and eponymous, and running all the way to, why do you pronounce titular with such an emphasis on tit? He settled on, your name's Aziraphale? Yes, 
said Aziraphale, with the wary yet defensive air of someone who'd had to spell his name for every primary school teacher, barista and government official he had encountered over the last 40-odd years. Crowley, seeing the and-what-about-it spark in his eyes, said only, New one on me, that's all. Some of the suspicion left Aziraphale's gaze. It generally is. Is it uh, a family business? Crowley asked, deeming a change of subject polite at this juncture. Fell and co? He recalled the storefront he'd glimpsed quickly on Google Maps. Not precisely shabby, but certainly no more up-to-date in its appearance than the man sitting before him. Aziraphale shook his head. Oh, no, I... He drew his hands together on his lap. I came into some money, you know. Oh, it must be a good twenty-five years ago now, and being rather young and foolish at the time, I thought I'd fulfill a childhood dream and buy a bookshop. Oh, yes, Crowley said dryly. Typical youthful folly. Binge drinking, making unfortunate sexual decisions, purchasing small retail establishments. Oh, said Aziraphale, the timbre of his voice changing slightly. I assure you I was very thorough in my... Ah, oat sewing, or what have you. Crowley laughed, the sound bursting out of him unconsciously in a way that surprised him. And this, he realized, a surge of anger rising up as quickly as the laughter had, was why he didn't develop relationships with clients. Because now Aziraphale Fell was a person to him, a person he almost liked, and now he was going to feel guilty about taking advantage of his obvious unworldliness to con him into signing a ridiculous contract. He considered bringing this up to Huster and Ligger before realizing that guilt was likely not an emotion that had ever crossed into either of their hearts. Well, he said, smiling tightly, shall we get down to business? I'm sure we can find just the right thing to suit your shop's needs. He outlined briefly the specs of a system that would work for a shop of AZ Fell and Co.'s size, pausing at intervals to check for comprehension and receiving slightly muddled-looking nods in return. So, if that sounds acceptable to you, he said at last and named the apparent price. Yes, yes, Aziraphale said, his mind plainly and understandably wandering from the matter. That's, uh, that's splendid, yes. It all sounds wonderful, I'm sure. Great, said Crowley. I draw up the contract straight away, if you don't mind waiting. The contract, of course, was already written. All Crowley needed to do was mix and match a few movable parts and add in the name of the business. But he tended to let clients sit, cooling their heels for the better part of an hour under the guise of putting together a custom offer 
which had the effect both of making them feel as though they were getting something special and making them appropriately impatient to get out that they'd read things over even less carefully than usual. Not at all, Aziraphale said. I'll be quite comfortable here, I'm sure. Crowley stifled a smirk. His office design had been based less on comfort and more on fashion. It was all very minimalist and clean-looking, practically lifeless in its neatness. This had, he'd realized quickly, the pleasing side effect of making it far from a cozy place for clients to wait. Chairs without cushioning. Fluorescent lights placed at a headache-inducing angle vis-à-vis the visitor's seat. A complete lack of anything remotely interesting to look at. And most mobile phone networks didn't work in the bathroom offices, which meant that even the distractions of the internet were inaccessible to guests, because like hell was Crowley sharing the Wi-Fi password. Thirty minutes of board uncomfortable sitting, and they were chomping at the bit to sign whatever was put in front of them and get out the door. Crowley began typing up the contract, weighing in on Reddit posts with the comments sorted by controversial, sneaking a quick glance at Aziraphale as he settled in to wait. To his slight surprise, Aziraphale pulled out a book and began reading which, all right, given that he was a bookshop owner, maybe Crowley should have seen that one coming. He noticed, though, that Aziraphale appeared to be mostly done with the book, only a few unread pages ahead. So there was that, at least. He continued fake working for another fifteen minutes or so. Aziraphale closed the book and released a sigh of contentment. Good read? Crowley asked, hiding his own glee at the fact that now the boredom ought to set in. Oh, yes, Aziraphale said happily. All wrapped up, just as it ought. But rather than looking around idly for something to fix his eyes on, he produced another book, humming slightly to himself as he opened it. Crowley wasn't able to stop himself snorting in surprise. <laughs> Game prepared, didn't you? Aziraphale looked up and smiled dreamily. Oh, I always have something to read, he said. Don't you worry about me. I'd be perfectly happy sitting here all day long. And if it weren't for the, well, the everything else about him, Crowley might have suspected him of teasing. As though he knew exactly what Crowley was trying to do and was having none of it. He peered suspiciously over his monitor, searching for any shrewdness in Aziraphale's gaze. But he just smiled mildly and turned to his book, flipping a page with what had to be alertness. 
Crowley scowled at his computer screen and began typing a lengthy response, assuring a man who'd written into r slash relationship advice that, yeah, proposing to his girlfriend at her sister's baby shower was a great idea. He glanced over at Aziraphale again when he'd finished, still apparently engrossed in his novel. Well then, all right. The boredom bit wasn't exactly working, but that was fine, really. Better to move things along anyway. Crowley hit print on the contract dock and stood up from his desk. Aziraphale looked up. Oh, are you done already? he asked, closing his book. Yep, Crowley said, grabbing the papers from the printer, placing them in front of Aziraphale and retaking his own seat. So, he said, flashing his most trustworthy grin, I'll just need you to sign here, here and here, and then we can have you on your way, Mr. Fell. He nudged a pen towards Aziraphale. Oh, yes, rather, Aziraphale said, nodding. But, uh, let me just look this over first. Crowley felt his smile decrease in wattage. It's just what we talked about. The, um, the language is a bit complicated, but if you need me to explain anything... Aziraphale unfolded a pair of small wire spectacles and placed them delicately on his nose. That's very kind of you, he said, and smiled brightly at Crowley before turning his attention to the contract. He read quickly, making little hums and sighs as he went, and Crowley had to fight the urge to stand up and pace around. At last, Aziraphale laid down the papers with great care, took off his glasses, folded them up, and replaced them in his breast pocket. All set then? Crowley asked. Some expression tugged at the corner of Aziraphale's mouth. Oh, yes. Great, began Crowley. But I do just have a few quick questions, said Aziraphale. Uh, said Crowley. All right. Aziraphale smiled sweetly. I'm dreadfully sorry, he said. But I don't quite understand this bit about the financing for the system changing after one year. I had rather thought, for something of this sort, that it would be a fixed rate. Um, said Crowley. And, Aziraphale swept onward, the bit about the warranty. I mean to say, it appears so limited as to exclude almost everything from being covered. Does it now? said Crowley weakly. And I really must insist that you take out this additional service charge for installation. It ought, he said, pushing the papers back towards Crowley, to be included. He sat back in his chair, still smiling in that same sunny way, with only the slightest flicker of steel in his eyes to show that he very much wasn't joking about any of it. Crowley swallowed hard. That's, I mean, I can definitely, we can make those changes. 
good, said Aziraphale firmly. Because I simply can't sign this contract as is. I'm sure you understand. Uh, said Crowley, brain whirring frantically, mouth spitting out only monosyllables. I, yeah, that, yep. Aziraphale pulled an honest-to-goodness pocket watch out of his waistcoat like he was the goddamn white rabbit or something, and tutted. Oh dear, he said, I really must be going. I asked my employee to watch the shop while I was gone, but she'll want to be leaving soon. He replaced the watch and stood up. So you'll rewrite those few clauses then, please? Is there a good time for me to come back and look the new version over again? Crowley fumbled his way into his calendar. Um, Friday, at four, I've got that free. He always kept Fridays at four blocked off in his calendar for the very important client known as starting the weekend an hour early incorporated. That should be splendid, Aziraphale said, and held out his hand. Crowley stood up to shake it. Thanks, he began. Really, such a pleasure doing business with you. I do look forward to working together. Aziraphale said, and was out the door before Crowley had a chance to reply. He sank back into his seat, staring blankly at the paperwork in front of him, trying to process why... Exactly, he felt as though a live wire had been strung through his veins, why his heart was hammering, why his palms seemed to have gone all sticky with sweat. Crowley was used to getting one over on people. He now had the distinct feeling that this was what it was like to be on the receiving end, and he didn't like it one single bit. He envisioned... Again, the way Aziraphale's lips had pursed slightly in disapproving amusement when he'd pushed the papers back at Crowley, of the way he'd seen a flash of acute intelligence in those mild eyes. He'd read the goddamn paperwork. And Crowley was going to see him again. <laughs>